From Hype Beast Radio, I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. Man, Shirt is a weird one. It's hard to define him. To me, he's a true artist, and he's merely showcasing his art form in the form of rap music right now. Occasionally, he'll cross over and incorporate other elements of artistry into his music as well. Now, I've known Shirt for a long time. Full disclosure, he used to intern at Staple and work at Readspace. And back then, he was honing his craft as a lyricist. He'd make really interesting music videos, some t-shirt graphics. He'd make social political statements about street culture, hype culture, sneaker culture, and just art in general. Have you seen those shirts that have an Adidas and Nike logo on them? Yeah, Shirt made those. So this guy, George, AKA Shirt, he's been writing rhymes for years and doing little appearances here and there. And I mean, everyone listening to this podcast probably has a friend who dreams of being a rapper, right? Well, Shirt, in my opinion, I always knew there was something special about him. I knew he'd blow one day. And if it hasn't happened yet, it's only because the world hasn't caught up yet. And recently, one major part of the world actually did catch up. Jack White of the legendary White Stripes, who owns the infamous Nashville-based record label Third Man Records, announced that their first hip-hop signing will be none other than Shirt. So the reason why I wanted to get Shirt at this exact moment is because of where he came from, which in all honesty is not much, and how he scraped and hustled to where he is now, and how everything he has learned up until this point will affect what might happen in the future. You get to listen to this moment and then observe in real time what no one knows the answer to. What will become of the artist named Shirt? All right, so let's start. Start with introduction, who you are, what you do, who am I sitting with right now in the studio? In my first New York City recording, the premiere of Business of Hype in the Empire State, who do we have? Shirt. From New York, by the way, from Queens. Say that again. Shirt. <laughs> shirt NYC on the on the social channels and all that, but just shirt. Okay. Shirt NYC on the socials. All right. Yeah. Shirt, what do you do? Um, I make things. I make music. Um, I I like to like really like think about things. Mm-hmm. That's like what I do. Um, it's a lot of thinking. Yeah. I think. Uh, some people know you for different categories mm-hmm. of professions, maybe. Like, I feel like some people know some of the work you do, but completely not some of the other work that you do, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to now, hopefully, like, people can, you know, there's one entry point, and then they can, like, find the other stuff, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But I try to do that. Um, okay, so if someone's, like, having a conversation with you, like a stranger... Like, you beat him on the plane, and he's like, oh, so what do you do? That famous plane, uh, yeah. when someone on the plane asks you? Yeah, I say I make things. Come on. No, I say I make things. Now I can say, like, I'm, oh, I'm a student. Like, in, in, in the past, it's definitely been something where it's, like, I'm very conscious of, the, of, like, what happens when you say, like, I rap. And if you're not the most, like, like the most, like, super, you know, like, famous person, you just look like a bum. Yeah. So it's like if you, if you usually, say you rap, but yeah. they've never heard of you, then they think like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I would, if I'm comfortable, I might say that I rap, but it's very quickly like, oh, I make things. And like, if they, if they say like, oh, like, 
a lot of people see the music, uh, like the tattoo, and be like, oh, you make music. And then mm-hmm. I'll say, yeah, rap music. And then mm-hmm. I'll be like, okay. Can you recount a story where, like, when you've told a stranger, like, yeah, I rap, that it went very interestingly afterwards? Um, usually people want to get out of the conversation really quickly at that point. <laughs> like, they're like, this guy has nothing to offer. Or he's going to shoot me. Yeah, like something <laughs> ridiculous like that, or right. like some stereotypical thing, yeah. Yeah. But it's usually me, like, if it's just, like, somebody asking, like, a vain question or just, like, an on-the-surface question, I'm trying to get out of the conversation faster. So I'm just like, yeah, I rap, and, like, if it's just in passing, like, Mm -hmm. and then I'm out. Like, I'm not trying to, like, linger on. Which is why the airplane question Mm -hmm. is so key, because you can't escape that situation. So, okay, so I was just on a flight, and these two, like, young guys were next to me, and I forget what I was wearing, but it was, like, something that they knew of, and they Mm -hmm. were like, oh, my God, like, blah, blah. Actually, I think it was one of my hoodies as well with the Nike checks down the sleeve. Okay. And the guy was like, yo, like, where'd you get that? And that's always a weird thing because it's like the minute you say, I made it, it opens up this whole world of questions that mm-hmm. if you're not in the mood to, you know. Yeah. So sometimes I won't even say that I make stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, you can find it. Like, I tell them, like, my website, but yeah. it's, like, outside of myself. Okay. That's what happened this time? When... No, so this time it just so happened that I was, oh, I, like I made it. And then they started asking questions. But then I like very quickly, I like put my headphones on. Like, but they, but there was a bunch of questions because it was like young guys. Like they were like, yeah, trying to like trying to talk about it. But you and did, then I think you they did one said, of those like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> As you slowly put your headphones 100%. on. 100%. And then they were, they even stopped me at some point. They were like, oh, let's exchange IG. Uh-huh. So literally, mm-hmm. I had to give them my IG because I can't say, like, I don't have one. Like that. Why do you Why do you say that begrudgingly, that you had to, ugh, give them because my IG? Because you're sitting next to someone then, and, like, it's just weird. Like, they're looking at my whole life right next to me, and I'm there if they want to ask questions, and I don't <laughs> want them to ask. You know what I mean? It's just, like, a weird... It's type weird. But now now this is, like, happening more. And it's, like, very. my friends are, like, making fun of me. Yeah. Because it's, like, happening more and more where someone will either, like, ask me something or they'll know who I am or mm-hmm. something like that. And it's, like, it's very strange. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, your name is, your, your artist name is Shirt. Do you want to reveal your government on this podcast? George. Okay, George. You yeah. don't want to reveal your Reveal your last name. No, what's the point of that? Social security number? No. Nah. Okay. No, nah, no. Nah. All right. Shirt. Yeah. Why shirt? <laughs> that was so Oprah. That was amazing, just the way you said it. Um, let's see. I don't know. Rap name. I always felt like rap names are like ridiculous. Like, Hold it on. Doesn't ri- okay. Why did you think you needed a rap name? Because everyone, I mean, everyone has rap names. Like, it's just a thing. Like, if you're going to... I don't know. It was the thing to do. Were you like, already... Why wasn't I just George? I don't know. Because that's not a cool <laughs> rap name. I don't know. Like No, but like, so you're writing rhymes at what age? Very young. But I went through a few names. Okay, it, okay. Yeah. So I went... So it was always like some like, it, like just ridiculous, kind of like whatever. But then I came across T-shirt. Mm-hmm. And I forget what was the catalyst of that, but it was definitely like, oh, that's funky and like you forgot, one of a kind. You forgot why you named yourself T-shirt? Well, I was making T-shirts, okay. so I know that much, but I don't know why I was like, oh, this would be like a funky name. Yeah. But I do remember that I went to like a video shoot at the old limelight uh-huh. at, at the church. And it was a video shoot and I went up to the security and I knew the artists and they like had to walk that I was at the door and mm-hmm. they were like, Oh, like what's your name? And I was like, T shirt. And the guy was like, T shirt, like the fuck? Like but basically that whole day at the video shoot, like video shoots are super long. Like that whole day, every time that security dude saw me, 
from like across the room. He'd be like, T-shirt. Like, and it was like, I, I remember that specifically as like, there's something to this name that right. makes him want to scream it and like, and like girls really liked it and all that. It worked. It worked, yeah. But then a lot of people also was like, it's a stupid name. But my, my rebuttal to that was like, what rap name is not, like there's a top rapper named Eminem and we accept it. Like, <laughs> you're not right. gonna tell me like T-shirt's the dumbest name ever. It's right. not like, but I do like shirt a lot better because like people used to spell T-shirt really weird. Yeah. Like, and I was just like, yeah. And then they put the dash or the dot and all this stuff. And I was just like, this is, so I like shirt a lot better. Okay. And it's just like, I don't know, it's like the older version of t-shirt. It's mm -hmm. just, just shirt. And you weren't concerned, because I've known you for a while. Yeah. Now. And in the beginning, I remember, I was like, George, you should change your name from shirt, because it's really hard to Google. Yeah. But, but you stuck I with it. I'm proud that, of you that you stuck with it. Yeah. Because, But it didn't dissuade you. <laughs> um, A lot of people told me I was crazy. But also, it's kind of like... There's there's some I can't think of off the top of my head right now, but there's some rappers that have names that are like other things. Uh -huh. It's really just about it's like a funny thing to say, but if you write shirt rapper, it's all coming up. Yeah. So it's like it's not a real thing. Okay. <laughs> if you can't go if you can't find my stuff, like you're bad at Google. Like that's just what it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, there should be a school for people who are bad at Google. Yeah, and I, exactly. And and we actually just looked at the Wikipedia of like shirt. And it's gonna be cool because it's gonna have like one of those things where it's like you know other uses. Yeah. If and you're, then I'm gonna be. If you're the looking other for use. garments to wear on your body, <laughs> exactly. click this link. Right. <laughs> so like it's fine. Whether you're a musician, a fashion brand, a store, or a media company, no matter what, when you decide to start your company, the first thing you're gonna need to do is decide on a name. And you can bet your life that the second thing you'll be doing is arguing with people who think that name sucks. The name of a brand is obviously so important, but I gotta agree with Shirt here. The name doesn't really matter as much as the product that backs it. When I first started out, people thought Staple was a weak name, and they thought Readspace was an odd name for a store. In fact, I kinda thought so too. I almost deliberately didn't put so much emphasis into the brand name, and I put more effort into the products. Hell, there's a company called A Bathing Ape that has been killing it steadily for decades. How do you think approval meetings for that name went? So here's a takeaway. Yes, your name is important. Yes, your logo is important, but it's not even a 10th as important as what it all represents. So put the time into that. Trust that people will get used to remembering what you want to call your brand. Okay, so um, we, we alluded to this before, but like, uh, when did you start writing? Very young. like. My mom, I, I really credit my mom is like a is a is a writer. She's always written for herself. There's not much stuff that she's published, but like always writing, written for herself. Mm -hmm. And um, she she played the piano and wrote pieces on the piano as well. But um, like very quickly, I mean, it was like started off as like a poem, poems, right? And stuff to get girls and like write like little things and stuff like that. But then very quickly, it was on beats. Okay. It was like on like you know. The beats of the 90s like what bad boy was doing and yeah but how old were you so i i did spit a verse at nine years old okay i did that's dope yeah on Little like beat. on like a dj's tape in the neighborhood yeah. uh-huh yeah but you know it wasn't you know like in the beginning i used to say oh yeah i've been rapping since i was nine that's not really like yeah. i like <laughs> i was rapping at nine and i was like but you're nine years old like, yeah you know what i mean 
So it was like much later that I started making records and right. like releasing records and like, you know, that. I like that you were very clear that like, I spit a rhyme at nine. Yeah. Like almost by accident. I actually like... didn't, I, I wrote it with another guy. So like, <laughs> it, it was really funny. Yeah. But I didn't even really write it that verse at nine, but it was like eight bars or something like that. And this is in New York City? This is in Queens. Queens. Yeah. All right. So um, musically, take us to what was going on like in Queens. Bad in Boy was the hottest thing in the world. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I was, I was really just like, like, yeah, Bad Boy and Puff and Big and Mace were like everything. Yeah. And then I remember um, some kids from Marcy Projects mm-hmm. were the ones that put me onto Jay Z mm-hmm. and Rockefeller and all that. And I knew who they were and everything, but like I was really about Bad Boy. Yeah. And they put me on because they were from Marcy Projects uh-huh. and they were like, nah, like Jay's the guy. Yeah. And they they actually they gave me the VHS tape of the streets is watching mm-hmm. and all that and that was when I was like okay Rockefeller is like really dope okay. but but <laughs> I I even remember even earlier than that like really young I remember like Heavy D uh-huh. like Let It Rain like those records like but it's really funny I like in home videos when I was like really really young I was in the videos with my hat to the side they're going yo 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 what's up like. And I had just no idea, like, where that came from. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Maybe just growing up in New York, like, the guys that I saw that I wanted to be like that were the coolest guys were, like, hip-hop guys, in right. a sense. I don't know. So you just, like... Just took the style just immediately. I don't know. Yeah. I guess. Were you also creating... You, you said you're, like, a creator of things, right? So other than music, poems, and rhymes, mm-hmm. were you also dabbling in other forms of creativity? Yeah, Jackson Pollock was, like, a huge early... In- inspiration like when, when you're I, nine you're like into not Jackson not Pollock. nine but like maybe like yeah my teenage years like okay. early teenage so you were years. studying artists not st- i mean i found jackson pollock and i was like holy shit like f- the f- the creative freedom because mm-hmm. of course you you know you see things and you, you think that it has to be one way and then like a guy like pollock mm-hmm. challenged everything yeah and i didn't have any schooling or any kind of like education on art but just visceral like the visceral experience of seeing what Pollock was doing throwing paint on the canvas I was like holy shit like the possibilities are endless yeah so a lot of my early paint I was making big paintings that look like Pollock Mm -hmm. and a few friends still have them Mm -hmm. and they're like they have dirt in them and like paint and dirt and like uh like sticks like (laughs) from the like from the ground like I was like I really wanted like a texture Uh uh-huh so the paint, like the paintings are kind of ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple that I really, really like. There's a couple that I don't like the colors a lot, because mm-hmm. like the colors you choose are like a big thing of of anything. They can make or break a thing. Mm-hmm. So some of the early color schemes were just like not that great. But yeah. then a couple I hit like right on the head, yeah. and and they stand the test of time. Wow. Okay. So you're creating art. You're still creating music. Did you? Yeah. Did you think like in high school, let's say, did you think either of these could be like a career for me? I was rapping in high school. I was rapping on, in the lunchroom. And like people, the, like the minute I started rapping for people, a lot of people were like, you have the voice for it. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big thing that I was like, if I have the voice for it, like the writing, you can like continue to get better. The voice thing is more of like, you got to be born with that or you're not. Like, yeah. So when they said that, I was like, damn, like maybe I could do this. But it was never... I. This is going to sound crazy. I guess this is going to sound crazy, but because I grew up in New York and just the way that I like looked and just like acted natural and had this like affinity for like, I was like a people person, like mm-hmm. big smile all the time. Like 
I felt like I could, like, what's the difference between me and the guys that are making it? Like, I can make it. Mm-hmm. And it was very much from the beginning, like, nah, I, I could definitely do this. Yeah. It was just about, I think when anybody's, like, making stuff, you, there's, like, a famous, like, they they talk about the transition period where it's, like, your taste level and what you can make don't match, so you feel really whack about the shit that you're making because yeah. your taste level is so much higher. Yeah. And they say that you just have to, like, keep working until, like, it reaches your taste level. Gotcha. And, um... So you knew back then that it wasn't good enough yet, even for yourself, really. Yeah, but I knew that I was, like, really just, like, I just have to stay alive and keep making stuff. <laughs> and I'm gonna... Yeah, it's gonna happen. Yeah, speaking about just staying alive... Yeah. I know a little bit later on, this is like sort of getting out of school now. Cause did you finish college? No. Did you go to college? I, no. So I dropped out of high school. Okay. So you didn't finish high school? No. Well, I got my GED. Okay. Of, like immediately. Okay. So you didn't finish high school, yeah. but you're in a master's program right now, which we're going to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to remember that. So you didn't finish high school. You didn't go to college. And you said like, you said something just now, like, I just knew I needed to stay alive. Yeah. But... I know that there was parts That's of your life. That's been my life. thing nowadays. I've been thinking about it a lot. Like, people shouldn't be, like, saying, like, I need a job. Your job is to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to make money to live in this world. Yeah. But you don't necessarily need a job. The job is to stay alive. Right. But there was a moment where, like, you, th- I remember, you know, where you thought, like, this is so hard. Yeah. That, like, I don't know if I can keep going with trying to make this dream come true. Yeah. And it was... Pretty much because of financials, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it wasn't really anything else. It was that, yeah, I was, like, dead broke. <laughs> and I come from, like, nothing. Like, my family, like, there's nothing. So, right. So I really just had to, like, yeah, I, I had nothing. Uh-huh. Um, and I just had, like, jobs in the city just to, you know, like, once I moved out of my mom's house, I had to, you have, you have to pay rent. Yeah. And you have to pay your cell phone. And you have to, like, have some money to take girls out and things like that. Right. And buy some clothes. Mm-hmm. So, like, trying to balance all of that, yeah, you're completely broke. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you got paid to rap? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the first time, oh yeah. so the first time um, was in 2011, mm-hmm. and my music caught the ear of a guy that was like working for like music supervision. Which is what the guys that put the songs in like shows and stuff like that. Okay. So he was working for a company in LA. So music supervision is a company that decides what music goes on television shows and movies. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And like even other things, there's, you can, hire, games. You can hire those guys for a lot of different things. Okay. Yeah. And now those guys even curate like the playlist for restaurants and things like that. Okay. But he found, he, I guess he was like an early fan and he brought my music to like the heads of the company and I signed a publishing deal like a, a very small publishing deal, but mm-hmm. this was, I mean, it was for thousands of dollars, but still like very small, but it was like, at that point I was like making real money. Mm-hmm. And especially when your songs go into things like this, you literally, you make money forever. Yeah. Because it's just like a constant streaming thing and mm-hmm. like the royalties of stuff. So like, it might not be a lot if it doesn't get streamed a lot, but you're getting checks, you know, every few months. So let's break that this. That was a huge thing. Let's break this down for the listeners yeah. who are trying to get to this level, even to just that level, mm-hmm. right? So explain. You get. I was putting so much music on the internet. Yeah, you were on SoundCloud. Completely ignored. Yeah. Even before SoundCloud, like, you know, Audio Mac, all these like little things you could just like upload your music okay. to. Okay. And I was doing. So I started a blog mm-hmm. as well. 
So I had this blog and I was like, it was like lifestyle stuff and all that. But in the middle of all that lifestyle stuff, I was like new release and things like that, like trying to drop songs and tapes and stuff like that. But like doing that a lot. Mm -hmm. And like even now to this day, a lot of bloggers and like I know these guys from years ago when I annoyed them. Yeah. And I'm sure it's even like there's some there's some guys that I haven't met like yet, like but there's like a weird thing because I was so annoying mm -hmm. and I was like so persistent and I was like so like no but I'm the best like you, you, <laughs> you gotta hear my shit uh -huh. and a lot of those guys just don't just ignore you yeah. which is like ridiculous mm -hmm. so you're making when you say you're making music you're like making it in your apartment yeah on your laptop yeah so you're making music and just putting it straight out you don't have studio time you yeah have nothing no 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 this is like I my girl took out a guitar center card uh -huh. And I paid her back, but she she put like two thousand dollars on a guitar center card, mm -hmm. and I got like a mic, speakers, you know, headphones. Yeah, I was just recording everything myself. Okay, yeah. so you put it out, and then this company, yeah, reaches out. Yeah. So you said you get a publishing deal. Explain that. So yeah, they reached out. They came to New York. They took me to lunch. It was like the first time that I was like doing anything like that. It was like really crazy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we eventually, it was like a small deal and it was for like a specific amount of records. It was for uh, 10 records. Okay. And then the idea was to put some of those records into things, but then also make an EP from that. Mm -hmm. um, so basically that happened in 2011, but by like 2015 is when I, the EP of that, of that relationship dropped. On what label? Um... Cause they, did we they put have that a label? on a label? I think. Oh, you know what happened? That was the closed sessions. So there's a a label in Chicago, mm -hmm. and they're like a like an indie label. Mm -hmm. But I forget how I got reached out to them. But basically, like they came on to like help distribute the album. Okay. But it wasn't a record deal. It was like yeah. it was just this EP, to, like for them to help release it. Okay. So you have to. So this contract says yeah. make us ten songs. Yeah. And we're gonna pay you how much? If yeah. you want to say. Um, it was like between, it was like $20,000. Okay. Which, which is amazing. Fucking incredible. Yeah. And that was just like up front. Up front. So and that then, has nothing to do gets... with the money that if a song gets picked up into yeah. something, now you're getting paid from ASCAP, you're getting royalties, you're getting all that. Like this was just so that they can like play ball with me, which was like ridiculous. And right. I was like, yo, I'm writing records for thousands of dollars. Like, yeah, I no, made can, Like, so you're, like, making music yeah. with a $2,000 Guitar Center credit card, yeah. putting it up on various websites, and then someone says, I'm going to give you 20 grand yeah. to make 10 songs. How did you react to that? Like, was there, like, were you trying to, like, poker face him and be like, let me think about this. Hold on one second. Or were no, you, I like, did think about it a lot. You did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you hear, I, you know, I'm not... You... I grew up in New York. You you grew up in New York. Mm -hmm. Like you got to be smart, mm -hmm. or you're gonna get trampled on. Yeah. Like so, I I heard all the horror stories. I did my homework. Like the thing is that I've read everything. Mm -hmm. Like everything that comes out about rap music, about the music business, about yeah. New York City, about all. Like I've read it all two and three times. <laughs> so it's like in like even in these crazy moments where it's like holy shit this is happening i'm still like okay but now i got to be smart mm -hmm. because i could write a record that you know i make 20,000 and they make a million if it pops like and that's not that's not right so i had to make sure things were right yeah okay but i was still very excited yeah okay and then with the royalties plus the 20k you know like 
Now I'm so. How so, often do you get paid on royalties? Monthly, quarterly, annually? Uh, four times a year. So quarterly. Right? Yeah, quarterly. Okay. <laughs> and is that is the twenty plus the quarterly royalty payments enough to live off of? No, no, no. Okay. I mean, depends how you're living, but for someone trying to make things, no. Okay. For someone trying to make things, like have a decent life, like take your girl out, like look kind of fresh, like no, it's not enough. Which is important for a musician. I think that it's really important. Yeah. yeah. But also, but also just for life, like if you're, you know, twenty something and you can't buy a new pair of sneakers like every few months, you feel like shit. Like, Mm -hmm. you like if you can't take your girl out, like you feel like shit. Like it's no way to live. Yeah. Yeah. And then out of those 10 songs, did anything hit? So very quickly, like they put me in touch with Flume. So that was the, so that's how like the Flume record happened. Okay. And this so was the like- So Flume, you, you did a collaboration with Flume. Yeah, so Flume was a nobody uh-huh. and they sent me this beat and I thought the beat was like, okay. But I was like, okay, like they were gonna pay me to write to it. They mm-hmm. were gonna pay, like the whole thing was gonna be just paid. And I was like, sick. Okay. So that was actually like, if I've made any mistakes, which I don't consider it a mistake at all, mm-hmm. but I didn't go super hard on that contract, mm-hmm. and that song became really big. <laughs> so Murphy's, that's Murphy's Law. Exactly, but you have to have some of those. Yeah. Or like you know. Yeah, that Flume song became like a global. Hit. And here's the thing: I have publishing on it, but I don't have the master side. Uh huh. So like he went and made a lot more money than me. Explain, but, explain, but also break, break that down though. Um, with with songs. It's really like you have to think about it. It's very confusing, but basically, like imagine a hundred percent twice. So okay. like a hundred percent master, and then a hundred percent writing. Mm-hmm. So the master is like performance, and the and the publishing is usually like the writing. The words. The words. And the 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 master is typically the beat. The master is like. The, he, I mean, it the makes sense. He's supposed it. to own the master because it was yeah. his record. Right. But and you own. If the I was a bigger artist, or if I had more what. You, and you own the publishing because it's your words. Well, we share the pu- You're supposed to share everything. Okay. Like, even the producer gets publishing mm-hmm. on, on, on his own track. But the thing is that if I was a bigger artist, I could have been like, well, I want half the master. Mm-hmm. And, they, and then, or if you don't get half the master, then they can, like, if they want the whole master, they pay you an even more upfront. Yeah. So that's what they did. They paid me mm-hmm. upfront, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that much. Right. So, but, but that's you also completely did it, fine. Yeah, in hindsight, you wouldn't have thought that that particular record would no. have blown. Like but a, then here's the thing. Then Flume blew up. From the, that. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, not even, not from, he was a crazy, like, he was doing his thing crazy. He started, he was like touring everywhere. Yeah. But that was one of his biggest records. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in the beginning. Right. And, but it just became kind of weird. Like he, uh, the way they spelled t-shirt, I didn't like the way they spelled t-shirt. It was like all these things where like, they really did not care. But I, I got it. Because I was really nobody at that point. Right. And I just had no, you know, no power. Yeah. Like, like when it came. I remember to that. back then you told me that like there was a big performance that he was doing, like yeah. a big concert. Yeah, a lot. And of course, he's playing your song, meaning like there's a big portion of this song where yeah. you are supposed to rap on it. Well, the thing is, he gave me a bare bones beat and I created a hit record, basically. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a number one in the States, but it was like number two outside the States. Mm-hmm. Like in Australia, it was like number two record. Like, yeah. So you go to certain parts of the world and it's a huge record. So you would expect that if he's going to perform this record live in an audience, that here comes Shirt I walking wanted, out. I did want that. But I also understood very quickly that like if I gave, you know, like as of right now, I'm not going to necessarily bring out, not at first, uh-huh. 
if I do a record with someone, I'm not gonna necessarily like my job is to make sure I get popping. His job was to like get popping, which he did. So he was like not trying to bring T-shirt from Queens out to perform with him, like okay, because you don't want to take the, you know the like the, the focus spotlight. and the yeah, spotlight yeah, yeah. off. And of there's yourself. expense too. You'd have to get paid for it and everything. Exactly. So they just like just play. So he did all these huge shows mm-hmm. where I'm not there, and it's literally everyone in the audience is like rapping every word. Right. It's crazy. That's so weird. Yeah. But it's fine. But I can perform the record if I want. Okay. Like later or like these mm-hmm. next couple shows. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good that you see it now from a business standpoint of you understand his perspective. I think at yeah. the time you were probably a little bit salty about it. I was a little salty, but I also I also like I did I did understand. And other people were more salty. Like my guys in the in the publishing company, like they were like really like trying to get me on the shows mm-hmm. and it's, the yeah. management was like ignoring us and we were just like how's like yeah he's not going to do it mm-hmm. right it's fun man humble pie never goes down easy fact is shirt shows real maturity here but a lot of creatives might get really sour about this i mean you basically construct a hit for someone else got paid measly and got no props that's enough to make someone go crazy but like shirt here know your role and understand what it's like being in the shoes of the other man and have the patience to wait your turn. Don't worry, because the same people you see going up the ladder are the same people you see coming down. Okay, so you get this deal, you're living a little bit, and now, of course, what you're trying to do is get signed by a bigger label, like a real big label, and get a deal. How did that process go? I mean, my thing from the beginning was like, I actually just need to make money. I don't need a label. I need to make money. Okay. Because I, I, I felt like if I had the financial backing, I could do more things and people would come mm-hmm. and the fans would come. And then if a lot of fans come, that's when, you know, your phone stops, you know, never stops ringing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I understood that like very quickly. Like I, you know, I didn't grow up in the 80s where it's like I didn't know like I grew up in this internet era and I yeah. know how these things work right. so I knew that it would you know so I did want a bigger deal of course yeah mm-hmm. but basically you just needed financing to be able to put out your art yeah because I did have a vision mm-hmm. I knew what I wanted to do I knew who I wanted to be I was writing records for years so mm-hmm. it's like I just want like yeah yeah so did you other than trying to get signed did you try to get money in other ways yeah so I I mean I completely like I did everything to make like to make money like I sold art I saw there's a song where I say I sold drugs I sold art I sold sold weed I sold like I I sold everything you could sell like your body (laughs) I didn't necessarily sell my body but I have a funny story it's not for this podcast but I didn't sell my body of course it's for this podcast this girl gave me money once for a cab to take a cab home and I didn't take the cab home and I just took the train I kept the money and it was like after after sex you know what I mean so it's like I just kept the money I was like I don't need to take an $80 cab. Like, I could just keep the $80. Whoa, $80 cab. Where was this? Where did this happen? She in was Vermont? In it was in Holland. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is right. before Uber. <laughs> <laughs> that was a slick move. No, but when I wrote this song, I was thinking, like, did I sell my sex? Because that's the line. Like, I sold sex. And mm-hmm. I was like, that could be considered. Kind yeah, of, it's pretty close. Yeah, it's close. It's close <laughs> enough. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, you know, because we've been friends for a while now, I remember some of these meetings that you had with yeah. record execs and yeah. labels, and like 
it looked really, really freaking prom promising. It did, yeah. So tell us about some of these stories. Like, can you can you mention some of the labels even that like you had yeah. meetings with that were so good? So I met I met these people through some mutual friends um, that were like in the Def Jam like building. Okay. So basically, I signed like a management deal, which I never had a manager up until this point. And okay. basically, this young guy, who's a director, really. Mm -hmm. Um, he was like, you know, like, you're the best. Like, you could be the king of New York. Like, he sold the dream. And he was like, let me manage you. And I'm going to start a management company with this woman from Def Jam. So this woman was, like, high up in Def Jam. So we went to meet her. I met, like, everyone in Def Jam. It was, like, a really big deal. And then they, I signed to them as, like, a newly, like, formed management company. Okay. And to a management company, not to Def Jam. Right. Okay. But they were so close and had ties yeah. to Def Jam that it was, like, we could probably get a Def Jam deal. So uh -huh. I was, like, holy shit, like, this is going to happen. So we took Def Jam meeting. We took Atlantic. We took, we had this whole project for MTV, and we, we took it to MTV and all this stuff. But because they were so seasoned, especially this woman, I mean, she's, like, very good friends with Kanye, Rihanna. She's, like... At Def Jam for 20 years. Mm -hmm. She's not there now, I don't think. But she had, you know, she has all this confidence. And it was like very much like, you have to be quiet now. And we're going to go in and we're going to get you a crazy deal. And all you have to do is like, like you come. And you know me. It was tough. But I, but I was like, okay, for the greater good, I'll be quiet. And I sat quiet in a lot of these meetings. And I only spoke when they asked me to and all this stuff. Like, they would coach me in the elevator going upstairs. Oh. And I remember thinking, like, a lot of what they were saying sounded super corny. Like, my management team yeah. sounded corny. It sounded, like, real thirsty. I, I felt like we went in there completely wrong. Mm. And basically, those deals never happened. And within six months, I think the woman especially got, like, embarrassed because she was so close to all these people. And everyone was like, no. Mm -hmm. Like, no deal. <laughs> when, you signed, when you signed the management deal... Was there a hesitation on your part, like, this feels a little off? Like, do I really need this? There wasn't a hesitation because I, I've heard so many different types of stories. There is no one way to get, you know, anything. Yeah. So I felt like maybe this is my way. Maybe mm -hmm. this is, you know, and it was a really interesting way into these buildings because it you always helps. You can't just walk into Def Jam on your own. Of course own, not. No, right? no. So it really helps to have somebody so seasoned. But, it, you know, it's like a... And what was their take on the management deal so this is something that on the management deal what do you mean yeah for them to be they said i want to i want to i think it was you. like 20 percent or something like that but like something if they normal. never get you anything they never get paid yeah anything. exactly okay but um i remember thinking uh when i did you know when i was asked direct questions that's when i was me yeah and i love art and it's like they are you you know they don't have art like the rappers that are signed to Jeff like to like to Def Jam are like rappers, you know? And I feel like every all those meetings, mm -hmm. a lot of those people looked at me like I had three heads. Cause I was going in like, oh yeah, like I see things like this, and I was like quoting artists and like just it was not going well at all. So I feel like they were like, Yeah, we don't know what to do with this kid. Yeah, and probably the woman didn't really know what to do with you, which exactly. is why she was like, just stay quiet. Exactly. That's crazy that you're going into a meeting to to sell yourself and they're saying shut up. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. say a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane. So paint a picture of what these meetings People are like. People will use their experience to like fucking shut things down. Like if 
how can I tell this woman anything? She's been in the business 25 years. She's she's been on the teams of hit records for mm-hmm. 25 years. Mm-hmm. Like, can't tell this woman anything. Yeah, right. So it was like talking to a wall. Mm-hmm. Paint a picture of what these rooms look like like it's, we're in a boardroom yeah they're playing a couple music. of forums they're playing things they're yeah some suits suits playing yeah. rap music yeah and then somebody else explaining who you are to yeah. the suits while i'm sitting there while you're sitting yeah. in the room doing a bad job like not even saying the right thing you were probably like, wanting to burst just be like yes. hold on let me just fucking yeah. stand on the table those are really talk. tough yeah yeah, yeah yeah wow and then nothing would come from it and then they would somehow blame me you know what I mean? And yeah. that's just how it went, like, over and over again. And I was like... And very quickly, it was like, well, nothing's happening. Uh-huh. I don't want to be with you guys. You guys are, like, don't like the way I do things. That's the other thing. Like, every time I've gotten partners, and this is happening to this day, where every time I've gotten partners, I don't think they even know how crazy I am. And it's like, I really need someone where I can email them at 3 in the morning, and mm-hmm. they, I don't know... I don't know. I have, I've yet to meet my manager mm-hmm. or my agent or whatever I'm going to have, like my consigliere. Like I have yet to meet that person. That can match your level of... Or just like somehow know how to how to deal with me where it's like I'm being heard, my ideas are being heard, but also like you're teaching me along the way. Like I'm not saying I know everything, but yeah. I at least want somebody where it's like you know how to deal with someone like that. Because I feel like I do have some great ideas and it's like every time I've gotten partners, I've tried to... Mm-hmm. I've tried to like. Yeah. This is who I am, and it's gone. It's gone weird. Well, I have a hypothesis as to why that might be happening to you. Okay. It's because managers generally, if you're a manager, right, your main job is to expedite and finish the project in a timely manner on budget. But what's the project if you're managing an artist? His life, like. Get your stuff out there in the fastest way possible. So they're trying to package your soul essentially. Yeah into a way that fits into like this sort of McDonald's like system. Yeah. And so when you come out with like a crazy 50,000 foot idea, they're like noted, but let me shrink that down yeah. so that like Tom, Dick and Harry get it now. Yeah. Which is why you feel like they're not listening maybe. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people need, uh, what am I trying? Like if I come to them with a big idea, a lot of times a big idea you can get out a big idea in like a small little paragraph. Yeah. And a lot of people that aren't artists or maybe that work with artists, they try, like a big idea scares the shit out of them. And if every single base is not covered in this huge idea, they don't want to go through it. Yeah. But my thing is like, you, you can experiment. You can do little things. Like I just did this idea last week where um, the idea was to give a kids rides home playing the album so i got a range rover and for like six hours um like it was on my ig where Mm -hmm. it's like comment in the in the comment section like where you are i'm gonna try to map out a thing where i pick you know like anyone up Mm -hmm. bring them to wherever they want and in that time i'm playing the album Mm -hmm. i'm blasting the album yeah and i felt like it was this great thing and i brought that to some people and they're like like yeah we could do this it's just like yeah it's it's like if i wait for them it's going to be a year uh-huh. and it's like no 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 i'm doing this this afternoon <laughs> and they're looking at me like no, you can't do this it, like we have to fix it i'm like no like no the car's downstairs no, the I'm car's doing- downstairs literally <laughs> so my thing is like 
we can do it on a bigger scale. I'm cool with that. But that doesn't mean we can't do it this afternoon. <laughs> like, and also, doing it this afternoon, we know how to move forward. Because mm-hmm. So basically, I did it. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. And the kids that got to experience it, wasn't that many. Mm-hmm. I think I ended up doing like five kids at mm-hmm. the end of the night. I, I was trying to do like 20. Yeah. But it was impossible. Mm-hmm. But the five kids that experienced that, now I did that. Yeah. I learned a lot. Those kids had an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Like literally, it was kids I never met. Yeah. That I'm picking them up. They're in the back seat. And I'm blasting the album for them the night it comes out. Yeah, it's dope. They're never going to forget that ever in life. Mm-hmm. Even if I never, you know, I never do anything else in my life, they're never going to forget that. Yeah. So it's like, I wanted to make that happen. I wanted that to exist. And then also like, who's to say I'm alive in a year? Who's to say any of us are alive in a year? But like, you do it for five kids, it exists. Why did it take the, whoever, I assume because you want to, why, why did they want to take them a year to do? What, what was their The year is exaggerating, but like, it's definitely like... Liability? Like they're afraid a of... A lot of stuff, yeah, but also they want to make it bigger. Yeah. You know, so the bigger version of that is you pair with like a Mercedes Benz. Uh-huh. And so we actually, after I did that, I have some friends that were like, dude, like, this is another fucking genius idea. Why didn't you tell us beforehand? And I'm like, I just came up with it a couple of days ago. Yeah. And they're just like, well, let's try and do the next one even bigger. Mm-hmm. So we we already reached out to Mercedes Benz. And but like, it's important that you did it and you showed that it worked. Yeah. And also the bigger one is going to be different. If yeah. we get Benz to give us like 10 cars, which is the idea. Mm-hmm to do like crazy routes where all these kids, it's not gonna be me driving. Yeah. It's gonna be a different thing. It'll still be sick and dope, but like, I can still do it this afternoon. <laughs> we can start, we could, and a lot of people just, they're very scared. Yeah. Of a lot of things. Right. Did anyone say like, well, what if you get into a car accident with the kids? I was even thinking that. Like, that's that's tough. That's really fucking tough. Like, what if we get into like a horrific car accident? And like, if I didn't do that, that kid would be alive. Like, I was thinking that. But you, but you thought about it, but then you said, yeah, fuck it. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. They get into Uber. I mean, yeah, it's tough. If we get into it, it gets tough. But like, I don't know. Right. Let's talk about some of these other small sort of like experimental projects that mm. you did. And one of the ones that's most notable that sort of like hit the internet pretty hard was you basically bootlegged the New York Times to write a story about you down to the author like you even bootlegged the author's name. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so you can't tell put us like idea. a nobody name. It's the New York Times. Like you got to get the guy that writes about rap for the Times. Like that's the name you got to put. Like, okay, break down this idea. The idea came because there's an artist named uh, Kenneth Goldsmith, who is like a conceptual artist, a poet. He was the first like the poet laureate of MoMA. He's like performed for the Obama White House. Like mm-hmm. he went. He's like this amazing, amazing guy. And I found his work and his writings and like what he teaches. And basically what he teaches is that like all great writing has already happened. Great sentences have already been written. So why are we writing new ones? Why don't we use the ones that have already been written just in different contexts? Mm-hmm. So this fucking idea blew my mind. And, I, and he's like a student of Mar- Marcel Duchamp. Mm-hmm. Duchamp is like... Many people say they're like the student of Duchamp. I'm a student of Marcel Duchamp. So this is like, you know, a conceptual artist from like the 20s that basically like, um, you can't say enough about this guy. Like for art, he's like a god. Um, So he's a student as well. So when I found this guy's like his his teachings, I was very just super excited. 
So I had an album dropping, which was the rap album, mm-hmm. and pretty much was still being ignored by all publications and everything. By the way, the title of your album yeah. is the rap album. It, no, it's just rap. <laughs> yeah. It's just even, rap. That's the name of the worse. album. Rap. But I wanted it to be like, what else is this? Like so this should like, live if, as like, a, like if Iron Maiden made an album called Rock. I think it'd be an iconic album. <laughs> like, what if that album was sick and they made the rock album? Like, that's what I was thinking. Like, this is the rap album. All right, so like, shirt makes rap. Yeah. So the rap album was, at, at that point, done. Uh huh. And I was thinking, like, damn, I want to premiere it, but nobody cares about me. Like, the publications, like, nobody's giving me the the, the time of day. Right. So I was thinking, my fan, I I like, I also study how like. When I say I've read a lot, like. I really read a lot. Um, so I read, so I've been studying just how like we consume art and we consume things and like, and I really felt like um, my fans needed something, you know, it, a fan really loves it when something great happens for an artist that they love because mm-hmm. it's something they can get behind. Yeah. And now, if you're telling your friends about an artist and they're like, who the fuck are you talking about? But then if you say like, no, this dude, that, that dude I was telling you about is in the times now, like now their friends are going to pay attention. I knew my fans wanted something like that, mm-hmm. but no one was going to give it to me. So basically I came up with the idea one day of like, let me just, so I went, this has happened a lot. I went to like the GoDaddy site to look for like websites and I found that New York Times LA was available and it was like $10 and I was like I bought it mm-hmm. and then I thought to myself I could just screenshot the New York Times page and then take that screenshot into like a Photoshop mm-hmm. just change a few things make it look similar and literally like you can go to New York Times LA and it looks exactly like it. Mm-hmm. So then I devised this whole thing and basically I didn't even tell my friends. I wanted to see what would really happen. It was also an experiment, just like the Uber thing. Just like yeah. it's experiments in real time. Like so I didn't tell my friends. I think like basically just my girl knew maybe. Mm-hmm. And one morning, just in all capital letters, I was like, New York Times and like literally and you it had the blo- link. Yeah, the link to New York. And well, I also had a artic- theory. But you wrote an article. Right. Sorry. So basically for the article, what I was going to do is take the Goldsmith teachings and dissect, you know, the best articles about like the most mysterious guy, like Jay Electronica, Jay-Z, like uh-huh. oh, Nas. Yeah. The guys that I really think that I'm in like line with maybe, mm-hmm. but, um, and just take paragraphs uh-huh. and build this story out of paragraphs about other artists. Okay. Now this is a very hard thing to do and I still wanted it to to tell my story. Yeah. So I'd say now that it's like 85% of that is like that, that concept. And then like the other is just like me, like billing it. Yeah. Yeah. But you also took an art, an author's name. Yeah. John Caramonica. Yeah. <laughs> because John he's the Caramonica, one that does For those it. who don't know, John Caramonica is the, the resident rap writer at the times. Okay. Yeah. And he's very like, he's academic, an iconic dude. Yeah. Iconic, yeah. Academic, but he's really the guy. Like if you get your, yeah, your shit reviewed by him is like you made it. You know yeah, saying? he's like uh, he, just so you guys who are listening, like he's not like five star thumbs up, thumbs down. He like writes fucking dissertations yeah, 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 on yeah, yeah. rap albums. Yeah, right? and a lot of it's really smart. I I I probably agree with a lot of the stuff that he mm-hmm. says. Like it's really good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So John Caramonica, you wrote in his name. Right. Ago. So um, yeah, I put the link. So of course you got to put his name because mm-hmm. it's like that's what makes it official as well. Yeah. So I put the link up and it literally fucking just 
took off. My fans went crazy. Even people that were like in the cut as fans, they came out the bushes and they were like, yeah, like super dope. Very quickly, I was like, yikes. Like, I'm going to have to like, now the people that know me, they're going to feel it's, it's fucked up because it's not real. <laughs> but in, in doing it, I knew that it becomes real in a different way. It still exists. It still lives. It's a it's a funny thing. Well, let me ask Shirt the Artiste now. Mm-hmm. When you did that, yeah. were you thinking like everyone's gonna know this is fake and they'll appreciate the the jokery of it, or were you really no no no, no you weren't really trying to pull the no of course not no no, no yeah, yeah. yeah because even in the article yeah it says the type of dude who would fake a New York Times article ah so I even put clues in the thing but the whole thing was meant to be like. This obvious experiment that I knew later on I would talk about, and I would, uh-huh. and it was this thing. But also, at this time, but but you had to know people might get pissed too. Pissed? How could people get pissed? <laughs> That's crazy. There was like, articles. How whack is I life? read I read articles on other blogs that are like this fucking guy fake. Yeah, but they're not really pissed. They're the, that that came through. That was a paying job. They had to write it. The 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 publication wanted this angle. Yeah. Instead of like louding me, they wanted to like. Let's make fun of him, right. and that—that's not personal. Like I don't care about that. Okay, I'm glad you take it. Just leave brush I it off can't. Your be, and and also, again, if you're pissed, what the fuck is your life? Like, what are you pissed about? I come from nothing. I'm like nobody. What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. People shoot people to get notoriety. Right. I can't do like a high-minded like art thing. <laughs> True. Shit yeah. is fucked up. Like there's no like so anyone that and I saw some shit too like mm-hmm. where people were like. I don't know. Are they fucking? Ang- is this like a hot take? Are they doing this just for like retweets? Like, yeah. or are you really angry? And if you are, like, yikes! Like, who are you? Like, mm-hmm. how whack is your life? Like, yeah, my bad. Like, right, right. So that that really got a lot of exposure for you. A lot. Like NPR did a real article then. Then like a NPR did, did an article about like it. A huge article about it. Yeah. About the about the, the stunt or about the, the album? The stunt, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's but, amazing. But right? also, like, even in the article, I made sure I knew that it would be it would be read a lot. Like mm-hmm. every time I do something that I know is gonna be, you know, nowadays it's like, you know, more often than not. But every time I know a lot of people are gonna watch something or listen, I try and inject like it could be fun and rap shit. I'm, I love rap shit, but I try and put real shit in there that can last and that a kid can fucking eat and mm-hmm. take to the bank. Not just the fluffy, not just the surface level shit. So like even in that article, if you read that article, it is about me. Mm-hmm. I only chose, that's the whole thing about the Goldsmith, Marcel Duchamp, like the choice of an artist is huge. Yeah. Someone else would have chose something else. Mm-hmm. The choice becomes like who you are. The choice is the art. The choice is the art. Yeah. So it's like that article is about me. Right. As everything that I do like that. Did John Caramonica reach out? Never. Never. Do you know his reaction? Um, this guy Jeff Staple once told me something, <laughs> but that's all I have. What did I What did I tell you? I, remind me. I think you, I, I don't know how close you guys are, but you definitely know each other yeah. in some way. And I think you said that he was, I actually forget now. Did I you say that too. he was into it or, I don't even know. Okay. All yeah. Right. Never mind. He never reached out. I haven't spoken to him. Okay. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about another experiment of yours. Okay. Which is sort like I dare say it's genius in a way, but it's the Nike Adidas project, let's call it, mm. right? Where you simply 
started taking shirts and putting Adidas Trefoil logo and the Nike swoosh together yeah. as if they collaborated. Yeah. Talk about this. I remember thinking everyone takes these logos and they put like different names instead of Nike, it's Mikey and like all these different things or like people do stuff with the Adidas thing. Yeah. And that was happening a lot. Yeah. But I felt like, and then I Googled it and I never, I, no one had ever, to my knowledge, I could be wrong. No one had ever just put the logos as is mm -hmm. next to each other. Yeah. And I felt like that's a t-shirt that has to exist. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. So I did it. I made one and I wore it. And the day I wore it, everywhere I went, old people, young people, literally people were stopping me on the street. Like, I mean, people from across, I was in Harlem and this guy across the street, I say this story a lot. He called out and he was just like, there's hope for the world yet. Nike, Adidas, there's hope for the world. And I, and I was thinking like, and even like a grandmother can look at this and a grandmother knows. Yeah. There's been competition there forever. Uh -huh. Nike, these are separate entities, separate right. companies. Right. Kind of, so to me, it was like even a grandmother can look at it. And on some level, mm -hmm. it's like the world is getting better. Mm. The world, like there's hope for the world. Yeah, and no words to explain it. Just no, no, no. Icons, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's hope for the world yet. If these companies can come together, like what's not, you know, what's not yeah. possible. Yeah. So very quickly, I like... I was on like Instagram, I took the picture, I like posted it, probably sold like a couple that day. Mm -hmm. You know, I probably made like $120 the first day. The second day, 10 more sold. Mm -hmm. The second, like, and it just went crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I had no, you know, again, no, no connects to publications, nothing. But, um, yeah, highs in the body, hypebeast, yeah. like all these guys started to come around and they would be like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then I made hoodies and everything. And I thought I was like, my idea was just to keep making. And then I was really thinking about it because I was like, you, this can get super like cheesy really fast. Mm -hmm. Especially, I mean, people are doing cheesy stuff now with the logos. Like it, it's so easy to be. So I really wanted to keep like a classicness to it. So I only made the white and black tees to start. Then actually it wasn't even, I was really thinking about it from like a marketing aspect too. Like I think the long sleeve dropped first. Mm -hmm. That was for a few months. Then by the time the t-shirts dropped, like it was just crazy and everybody wanted one. And... Okay. So I think you said no one had done it before, right? When you searched. Yeah. I think that my theory on that is because like the Nike Adidas logo next to each other required a lot of development in the zeitgeist of pop culture, mm -hmm. right? Like sneakers for many years when we were young were just sports shoes it didn't become a cultural thing only until like the last maybe decade okay. and then there's the other aspect of collaboration which is like collabs and people putting two logos next to each other all the time so i think that and that had to happen and then there's also this like bootleg culture yeah. that was happening sure. where people just were diying their own shirts and that's been happening for 20 years yeah, right? yeah. so i think all of these universes sort of had to meld yeah. to make sense. And I think probably part of the genius of what you did was knowing that it was the right time. Yeah. I mean, the timing aspect of it is always interesting to me because yeah. I consume a lot of this culture. I live this culture. Mm -hmm. So the timing is kind of like embedded. I try not to think about it. <laughs> I feel like, I, you know, it's just in me. Yeah. And if it feels right, it must be right. Maybe. I'll give you an example. Like 
when Run DMC came out with my Adidas sure. back then, yeah. if you, or not you, because you were probably yeah, yeah, yeah. embryo, but if someone put out that shirt, yeah. it wouldn't mean anything. No, I got you, of course. Yeah, right. it took all this other stuff to happen. Right, right, right. So that, I think, Also, is Instagram helped it spread a lot, too. Definitely. Global phenomenon with Instagram. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, the Fuck Jerry and the Beige Cardigan accounts? Yes, Fuck Jerry and Beige Cardigan. Beige yes. Cardigan, actually, the first, like, huge, because she had, like, millions of followers. Mm -hmm. That was the first huge thing on Instagram. She took up, she, she just regrammed it. She regrammed it with no credit. Yeah. And I found somebody, like, two days later was, like, Dude, look at Beige Cardigan. And I looked, and it was like 17,000 likes. And mm -hmm. my name wasn't there. And I was yeah. like, fuck. I literally reached out to her, and it was like a Hail Mary, like, please. And she was mad cool. And she put my name up, and she, like, regrammed it again. And I got mad followers, and it became, like, a huge thing. Wow. It's one thing to do Nike Adidas as an art project, but then you started making money from it. Yeah. Which now turns you into, like... A beast. <laughs> no. Financially, maybe, but a bootlegger, like an official bootlegger that in almost any eyes of any lawyer or government mm -hmm. should be shut down. No, it depends. Okay, defend yourself. I mean, Andy Warhol, Campbell Sukin, like if you do it in a certain way, I mean, like I got a cease and desist. From? Nike. Okay. And in the cease and desist, it says something like, you're making fake Nike. And I was like, I'm not. I'm making real Nike Adidas shit that is its own thing. No one's gonna think this is Nike. It's not, it's Nike and Adidas. Did you reply to the cease and desist? No, of course not. <laughs> so you ignored the cease and desist. I didn't ignore it, I put down, no, no, no. I put down the, so. You took it down? I took down the functionality of the site. Uh huh. I wanted the site to stay up for education purposes. Mm -hmm. So I put a little paragraph that was like, this is for education purposes. Mm -hmm. I kept the site up, cause oh, I bought NikeAdidasShirt.com. Mm -hmm. Like, that was available. That was the other thing. Like, I came up with the idea. I look at this. It's like, the GoDaddy is like, it makes me think if my idea is good or not. Like, I was like, if someone has Nike Adidas shirt, the idea's over. They didn't. It's mine. <laughs> like, it's simple as that. Plus, Amazing. it wasn't like a .org. It was yeah. .com. Like, <laughs> this is official. So, they wanted me to take down the site. I left it up yeah. with a little paragraph. But I took off the functionality of being able to buy. Stuff. Okay. And then I just looked at it as like, okay, like this is like something that I've done and I'm going to move on. But I, I kept having ideas mm -hmm. for like what this collaboration could look like from a design perspective. Right. And like very, I mean, it's a designer's dream probably. Like imagine you get to like make the capsule collection mm -hmm. of Nike Adidas. Like yeah. here's the thing, like it becomes like, what are you going to make? You could make anything, mm -hmm. what are you going to make? Mm -hmm. So that's the other reason that I kept it very simple with like a black tee, a white tee, a navy blue hoodie, a white hoodie. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But after you got the cease and desist and you shut it down. I shut it down. I kept having ideas. So like one of the ideas I had was like, imagine, okay, they don't want their logos on it. That's cool. But what about the slogan, right? So it's impossible is nothing. Just do it. And then I was like, those two together actually makes a complete sentence. Impossible is nothing. Just do it. <laughs> so I was like, just put the slogan, the slogans, put the slogans on the shirt. Uh -huh. And now there's no logos. You can't say I'm bootlegging Nike and Adidas. So I sold that shirt, and I embroidered it, and I was like, I've made them in like eight colors, and like. And sold those too, and they yeah, sold well. Yeah, it sold really well. <laughs> okay, and then you came out with ones where you just 
put the logos on the shirt, but then you covered the logos in tape. Yeah, that was like a year after I covered it in tape. Like, I'm still trying to find ways because, like, people want this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's fun. You're basically the and most like, annoying person to the lawyers. I get, yeah, I, I really am trying to find ways around. <laughs> but also, it, it's very, you know, very quickly, I put it into like an art gallery. Like that summer mm-hmm. after the cease and desist, I put the final stock of stuff into an art gallery. Mm-hmm. And I had like a one day pop up gallery thing where it's like I painted Nike and Adidas logos on, on these wood things. And I had like the final stock and yeah. like highs in the body, like they came and interviewed me and like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this thing that I was like, okay, this is going to be my final run. Yeah. But then I was thinking, like, in an art context, maybe not for merch and stuff that you can actually, they could come for you. But if you, if you have it in this art context, it could be this bigger thing. Like Andy Warhol. Like Andy Warhol, yeah. Yeah, right. Sure. Okay. Can you say how much you've made from this whole project? Uh, I can't say. Okay. It's gotten too out of control. No, um, no, it's 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 not, you know. Don't say how the dollar amount. Say what type of car you could buy with the. No, 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 no. I can't. <laughs> I mean, you could buy a nice car. You could buy a nice car for sure. Okay. Really nice car. Okay. Not a McLaren or something. Okay. Like, something ridiculous, but like. But a really nice yeah, car. Really like a you know a doctor car, like a car for a doctor or something. Okay. Yeah. Nice. But the thing is that um you know. So I gotta say the this. thing that the 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 money that I made over and this is not all at once. It's yeah. Like over two years, let's say. Mm-hmm really just gave me even more every time i've been able to make money in this way where it's not just you know uh 200 a week or something if if i it's gone back into art and it's allowed me to keep going that was my whole thing like fuck like i gotta keep going i gotta keep making stuff mm-hmm. that's the only way it's gonna be an actual i don't know a career in some way right but you didn't do it for like um a connection to a music project. This is like a whole separate project. Yes. Right. And then um, you recently shot a video where you painted a truck, like a huge truck yeah, in huge New York City yeah. with the Nike Adidas logo painted on the side of a truck, like massive. Yeah. And then you stood on top of it and rapped. Yeah, we, we drove it through the city. What was the reaction from just people in the it streets? It was really amazing. It became a performance piece in itself. The cameras didn't have to be there. Like that day was, I performed for like six hours on this truck through the city, uh-huh. and people were going crazy. I'm not like, you don't have to even know who the dude is. You see this huge truck, you hear the music. Uh-huh. He's rapping on top of the truck. The truck's driving through traffic. Yeah, has the Nike Adidas logo. You're like head explodes. You're <laughs> like, wh- who is that? I'm sure people thought I was like so much bigger than I am. I guess I was just like, fuck. Like, what are we seeing? So everyone had their phones out. It was mm-hmm. like really crazy. That's dope. Really and fun. that's really taking it to a level where like the lawyers can't do anything about that. That is true performance art. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. And the other thing is that if you saw the truck on Instagram, if you followed me and then you saw the truck, I was giving t-shirts out, for, but for free. Mm-hmm. So that's the other aspect. Like I started to learn like, well, I can keep giving this stuff out for free. I'm not making money on it. Yeah. And then it becomes like this beautiful thing of like, I've given so many tease out for free Mm -hmm. and like it's my favorite thing to do you once told me that if someone slides into your dm and writes a really polite you're gonna put this public right now (laughs) you'll actually explain it go ahead i do i do really respect people that could put themselves out there so it's like if you 
ask me something, I shouldn't be saying. You're this. like so scared to say this, right? But now. if you ask me something in a real way, I might just say yes. So if you say like I don't have any money, can I have a shirt free? Like yeah, you can. Just for asking. It. And then you send. Yeah, it. of course. Because like people don't want to ask this stuff, and I want people to like let go of the fear mm-hmm. and just to like. I don't know. To like, yeah. So I want to reward that mm-hmm. so that it, it continues to happen, and you kind of have this mentality where it's like, instead of just feeling like the door's gonna be like shut in my face, like I want you to feel like maybe the door's gonna open for me, mm-hmm. and I want you to have that in you to take that to take that with you. The door's not always gonna open, but try. Yeah, try. Yeah, just do it because nothing's impossible. Exactly. That's literally it. But um, boom. We got in-depth on some of the marketing tactics that Shirt used to get his name out there with whatever means he had available to him. I think the reason why I wanted to dedicate so much time to this is because probably the number one question I get asked is if I have no resources and I have no safety net, I have no connections in the industry, how can I be down? So the hunger and hustle that Shirt exhibits is so admirable to me. He almost turns the adversity into the fuel to create his ideas. He's relentless, even in the face of poor management, lack of funds, lawsuits from corporations, nothing will stop this guy. And by the way, the fact that he's a high school dropout sure as hell won't stop him from getting a master's degree. Get ready for this incredible story. Um, okay, so going along the timeline now, um, you who didn't finish high school got a GED, but didn't go to any college or university, doesn't have an undergraduate degree, no bachelor's, decided that you think you deserve a master's degree. Decided is a strong word. It's a, yeah. <laughs> okay, but you're in a master's program right now. now yeah. Explain how the hell that happened. So this is what's funny. The people that made fun of the, the New York Times stunt, whatever. The guy Goldsmith who I was super, like, that's why I did the Times thing. I wrote him into the article. And I, and in one paragraph of the of the article, it said something like, who I count is my inspiration. Okay. And I love putting, like, different people together. So I think it was, like, Biggie and, like, Goldsmith, which is, like, this Jewish poet and Biggie. It's like, but because I did that, literally over a year later, he was talking at, um, at SVA. Okay. And I decided to go to the talk. And I was the only kid that looked like me in this, so I was like a very like intellectual, academic thing. And at the end of the talk, I, I was about to leave. And I was just like, let me just introduce myself. And I waited on this little line, because other people wanted to meet him. And I introduced myself when I, you know, and he was like, and I introduced myself as Shirt. And he was like, wait, what's your name? And I was like, a Shirt. And he's like, did you do the Times article? And this fucking dude, a year later, tells me that his colleagues at the time, because I wrote him into that article, his colleagues thought it was funny and sent him the article, and he loved it. Mike, so a year you're, later, when you were standing there, head exploding. Yeah, but at that point, literally, I'm there, and he then he loved it so much, he like turns to the crowd that's still lingering after the talk, and he's like, "This kid did like," and he starts telling the crowd, and it's like everyone's looking at me like, "Who the fuck? Like right. how like." So the next day we like have lunch. He like, cause I'm like, yeah, like I, I'm, you know, I'm trying to do something with my life. Like I have all these ideas. I don't know what to do. And he like instantly was like, he got me. Mm-hmm. And we had lunch the next day. 
I'm showing him everything. He's he's like his his head is exploding because I'm like showing him everything I'm doing. I'm playing him the rap songs. I'm like I gave him like the headphones and I'm like playing it from my phone and he's like and he like loves rap from the 80s and all this and so he like he loves the attitude, loves the spirit of mm-hmm. it and the artistic angle. Yeah, of yeah, it. yeah. And and that's like a lot of and we're both students of Duchamp, so it's like this thing. Mm-hmm. It's like we have like this kinship a little bit. So. Basically, he invited me to speak. He teaches a creative writing class at Penn. UPenn, University of Pennsylvania, yes. which is an Ivy League school. Yes. Yeah. He teaches a master program. Okay. And he had me go like the week after to the to the class. And like on the big thing, he like I put all my projects up and he, I basically that that class was like me talking to his students. And his students loved it. And basically, at the end of the class, he was like, this is the first time I've ever heard these words, but he was like, do you guys think he should like be in a master program? And all the students were like, hell no, like, no way. And they're in a master program. Right. And they're like $200,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. They like are learning all the rules. They don't know. They still don't know what the fuck they want to do. And they're looking at me like, you're free. Like, you're already working. You're doing crazy stuff. Oh, not hell no, because you don't deserve to be in it. Hell no, because no, you're, no, you're like, no, like, you're decision. already, yeah bad decision like you're already doing it he's wow. telling them about the times article he's yeah. telling them about all this stuff so they're looking at me like whoa you're beyond yeah yeah, yeah yeah but i but he knew what he was doing because when he said those words it like went into my head and then like a little bit after that like in the next week or so we had like a coffee and he was like yeah so you know is that something that you'd ever like consider doing and I was like how could I do that like I dropped out of high school like I have a G like a GED but like how can I do that and he was just like no like you know a master program especially in art it's really just about the portfolio mm-hmm. and you have projects that you've been working on so my portfolio at that point without even knowing was like diesel thick. like yeah. thick portfolio so basically um he put me in touch with this <clears throat> with this woman uh that runs this program across the world and he, he was also like would you ever move and i was like sure because like i don't have kids like that's the thing i try not to have kids i've tried to like like up to this point i i do want kids but like up to this point i've really tried to like stay lean yeah and free and free in yeah. a sense where it's like at any moment i can make moves mm-hmm. and a lot and i like we should like talk about how important that is because like a lot of kids can't do that because so that's the thing if you like really want to make art or be free in any sense of the word like think about that for like what you're doing like you should like pull out of your girl more or, like wear condoms like just like no 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 no, no. don't pull out of your girl wear, more. wear a condom obviously that's the thing sorry but <laughs> but like that's a thing that's like very real right these are decisions that are monumentally changing your yeah, life. Yeah, a lot of people say they want to make art and they want to do all that, but then they're like having a bunch of kids and like all these responsibilities. And right. they're like, no, at that point your life's not yours anymore. Like Okay. So I made sure so I was I was at the point where I could do that. Yeah. And I, I applied and they accepted me. So that's why I say did it he, wasn't did a decision. He in that, like, did he, he like, wrote me a recommendation it? letter. Which is ridiculous. And, was, and his letter was ridiculous. I still like it's the most ridiculous letter. Like I read it to my grandmother and my grandma was like because he put, because, you know, it's this dude. Yeah. And he put my life into, like, words that, like, I didn't even know that, that that's the way you could write about me. And he did it in this, like, amazing way. So in a matter of a few weeks, yeah. literally, you went from just seeing this guy talk yeah. as a spectator. Then he notes the work that you did in his honor. 
announces it to the world. Yeah. You have coffee. Yeah. He asks you to speak at his master's class, and then a couple weeks later, you're going to a master's program well, in I'm, Europe. Well, I'm applying, applying. And, they're, and they accepted me. Yeah. yeah. And now you're in that master's program. So I'm, I've been there a year and a half. And where is it? In Switzerland. I don't like to say this exact place in Switzerland. Because it's like a bat cave of a master's program, right? No, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of weird about certain things. Like, I don't, people don't need to know that, this is a small town in Europe. Like, I don't know. Okay. You don't have to touch. Do you want to say the name of the school? Like, after I graduate, I'll say where I went. Okay. But I would imagine that at this master's program, there's no one else like you. Nobody. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. They announced to the school that, like, they have this rapper coming. So, like, people, it was weird. I felt a little bit like Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, you go to the school and everybody knows Harry Potter's coming. And it's like, the first few weeks were really funny. Cause, and like, it's everyone coming up to you saying, yeah. like, yo, spit a verse. Yeah. <laughs> like, Not, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically but that. In their yeah. language. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Okay. So now you're in the master's program. I am. I'm a year and a half in. I'm about to be, it's over in August. Mm-hmm. So, so to most people. It's gone so quick, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, here you are, you're making music, you're making art. To most people, this is like the promised land. And you're 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 making a lot of more like you've got your art hat on now much more than your music hat. That's the way I felt, yeah. And it almost feels like maybe maybe because you took the music hustle hat off, all of a sudden, what happens? Maybe. You but get it's signed. But here's what's weird. <laughs> I, I'm in this school. Yeah. You're in this and school. And I'm already another thinking country. about visual art before I was in this school. Uh-huh. And I was making visual art. I was doing the rap boards around the city yeah. and all this different stuff. And so but but yeah, once you go to a school like this, you're now I was like really thinking like, okay, some visual art needs to happen. I need to step everything up. Like Right. And conceptually too, like you're yeah. surrounded by all these conceptual artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus the the mode of like I got to get into Def Jam to get them to sign me at this yeah. meeting room. Like, yeah. it couldn't be more different. Very different, right. right? And also now I'm in this art context, so I'm also thinking like, what? Well, like very quickly I was like, well, I'm gonna make a rap album here. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm gonna make With, my rap album at my master's program. Right. Right. <laughs> right. With other visual art and stuff yeah. like that. But I'm definitely gonna record an album here. Mm-hmm. And they had a music studio on campus, and they were like, nobody uses it. So they basically <laughs> became like, yeah. my studio. It's like a million dollar studio, but nobody uses it because it's Switzerland. They have like all the money in the world. Literally. But nobody Swiss uses bank. the music studio except for like a voiceover every now and then for art purposes. There's yeah. no musicians at the school. <laughs> um, so they like just gave you the key here. Yeah. This is yours. No, literally, I just got the key and I just started recording this album. And I was I I made it the same way I made it in the, my bedroom. <laughs> I got beats from kids around the world. Uh-huh. I craft, you know, I I craft like a body of an album, and then I and then I start writing and I'm and start recording. Okay. Yeah. And then at the same time, I was coming up with all these like visual art ideas, mm-hmm. and, you know, the canvas works and sculpting. Like I got into sculpture now. Yeah. That I'm really into. Right. So like a lot. So can you segue into him, Baldessari? So um. This past September, I go to LA, and I love LA. I just want to like, I really love it. Um, but for the last few years, every time I go to LA, like Baldessari is someone that I really, really love. Like John, John Baldessari. John Baldessari. Yeah, he's an artist. He's a he's an artist. He's in his late 80s, and I think the first time I heard about him was like on Hypebeast, maybe. Mm-hmm. Of like, there was like a Tom Waits interview that he did with John Baldessari that like blew up. It was done really well. It was edited really, really dope. And 
Um, I found that. I loved his, like, the wit and his, like, the thinking behind his stuff. So every time I went to L.A., I was thinking in the back of my head, like, somehow I got to get to John Baldessari. He lives in L.A. He lives in Venice. He's from Venice. He's very much, like, in the, he's, like, an L.A. artist, legend, you know, like, L.A. artist. So he lives in Venice, California. So basically, I, one day I'm at a coffee shop. And I decide, let me try to find an email. Now, now, like, here's the thing. I've always <laughs> tried to find ways to reach out to people that I enjoy. That's how I, that's how I know you. Like, I found a way to reach, like, you guys, like, you know, mm-hmm. like an intern thing or something like that. But I try and find, like, ways in. Yeah. Like, ways in. So now that I'm in school, the last year and a half, I've realized that I have, like, a, it's a pretty sick story. And because of that, I can use that story to get, like, more things. Mm -hmm. So even though I've had this idea for years, it never felt right to do. And this summer, it felt right. Okay. So I'm there in September, and I'm like, okay, I have this story. So basically, I wrote them a paragraph. I found an email, like, like info at John Bobbisary, like, Mm -hmm. some nothing email. (laughs) And I basically just wrote a cold email, Uh my little paragraph of who I am, high school dropout, now I'm in this master program, I make rap music, blah, blah. And they reached right back out and said, John would love to meet you. How long did it take for the reply? Come by the studio. Like two hours. Wow. And I remember I'm in, I got tears in my eyes. I was at a coffee shop. I was with my girl. And we were literally, I'm just like, look what just came through. And it's just like the most unbelievable thing in the world. And they want to meet me like in two days. Like, yeah, you can come just right by the studio. He'd love to meet. So I literally go to his studio. You probably thought like, this is a joke. Like, he'd love to meet. <laughs> I could not believe it. Yeah, right. yeah. It, it, I'm, so I'm, yeah, it was a big deal. So you it was go to his studio? I go to his studio a couple days later, and we talked for like an hour. And like, literally, he, he took me all around his studio. He showed me things on his wall. He, he gave me like little stories about things. He's like a great talker. Uh-huh. Um, he's like really funny. Yeah. Just a brilliant man and just like... It was just amazing. You know, he I, I tried to get him to talk like more about rap. He he's not necessarily a rap fan. Mm-hmm. He's not like bumping that new like yeah. whatever. But his his assistants are all are, are, are all young people yeah. and they love rap music. So mm-hmm. he's like, Oh yeah, sometimes they play it in the office. And, mm-hmm. Um Did you talk about so collaborating? I, so so I talked to him, so I told him that I was writing this album that it was pretty much done and it was called Pure Beauty. And Pure Beauty is like a huge work of his. It's like one of the most like famous works. But and you, I actually and you, already, just you, you already knew that you were calling the album Pure Beauty. Yes. Okay. So I talked to him about that. And he was like, yeah, sounds good. Like, that's great. Like, that's awesome. And then I, I told him that I was like writing I Will Not Make Any More Boring Rap. Because his famous thing is I Will Not Make Any More Boring Art. Mm-hmm. And I told him that I've been like doing I Will Not Make Any More Boring Rap. He was like really into that. He thought it was funny. And then the Pure Beauty, I was like, yeah, I'm going to call the album Pure Beauty. And But I didn't know that I was going to use the exact, like, that's his work. That is the canvas. It's a square. Yeah. And it says Pure I'm Beauty. I'm holding the like album that. in my hands right now. You should, but this is only for the album, right? So, so that artwork, I only made it for the, uh, the physical vinyl. Yeah. On In digital, it's just the neon green. Did you recreate this? So this is exactly what he did. And that's like a big thing of mine. I don't like to touch anything. The, the, the back has one word difference. When it says everything is purged from this record, it's um, this painting is, okay. the, is the original. But art, no ideas have entered this work. 
Okay. But he so, blessed this. So, not at that point, but uh-huh. he knew that I was making it, and so he said something that was like ridiculous. He was like, because I was like, I'd love to send you something, and he's like, yeah. If you send me something, I'll send you a piece of art. That's what artists do. They exchange art. And I'm just in my head, I'm like, I'm going to get an original John Baldessari. Like, he's going to get a me, and I'm going to get a John Baldessari. Like, doesn't seem, and I can even exchange. But later on, so at this point, no label was attached. Yeah. The album was done pretty you're, much. You're still unsigned. Still unsigned. Nobody, Still nobody cares. Right. Like, And um, basically... A few months later is when the label stuff happened. And then after that, I was like, damn, I wonder if he'd give us the rights to make vinyls. And he did. He like remembered this is over an email. He remembered me, yeah. And he was just like, Yeah, like he could do whatever he wants. And he was even like, Oh, there was even some ideas that we didn't do where he wanted to like literally collaborate with me and do like a new a new piece and I and I didn't want to do it. Why not? Um, we could do like that. Could be later. Yeah, it's too like, much. Yeah, it's too like, much. Like this literally, is pure beauty. Literally, that's too much. Yeah, it's too much. <laughs> yeah. But I really, I, I really had this idea for this concept. And like, the other thing is that I was in LA, and the next day I had rented out a gallery, or a friend helped me. Like he had a gallery space, and we mm-hmm. were able to get it for the day. And I was gonna do a project in the gallery space, and I didn't really even know what I was gonna do. This was the next day after the Bonsari meeting. And I ended up on a huge wall writing, I would not make any more boring rap Mm -hmm. and have it where I'm playing the album and people could come and they could listen to the album. But really, I'm not even talking to people. I'm painting. And it was like an interesting thing to me. It's like, imagine you can go to a space or like a listening party with the rapper there. But like, he's not like he's doing something. I'm not just hanging out. Right. I'm like painting and you could like watch me if you want. And that's like, but hear my rap music. Mm -hmm. So I did that the next day, not even knowing. So it just became like this, like poetry. Yeah. Like that's how I look at it. It's just straight poetry, the whole thing. Wow. Okay. So now you get talk about now how the signing happens. So, um, I've just been doing a lot on mm-hmm. Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that like I'm not just a guy like with 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 selfies or with like. You know, every picture is me. Like, it's mostly the things that I see that speak to me in some way. That's what my Instagram is. Yeah. And I also use it as, like, I try and, like, to think about it like the stoop, let's say. Like, I, I'm always, like, that Nas scene in Belly when he's talking to the young dude on the bench in Queensbridge. It's like, I want my Instagram to serve as, like, a stoop in in that sense where it's, like, I learned something. Now let me put you on. Mm-hmm. And you take whatever you want from it. But... So I've been doing a lot. So on the eve, so this is also just like some poetry shit. Like on the eve of the album dropping on its own through iTunes, through you, through me. Yeah. Like You're an about independent artist album, right? can release their stuff on iTunes and all that. It's very easy. You go to like TuneCore or something like that will help you. Like, so I did all that, and my album was gonna come out. And I took a couple meetings for it too. When I came back to New York, I took a meeting with Mass Appeal. I'll say. Master Peel was, like, kind of interested, but, like, ignoring me pretty much. <laughs> and I just decided, again, I'm going to put this album out on my own. Like, right. I'm not, like, waiting. I don't care. I'm not waiting for anybody. Right. So on the eve of the album dropping, I get a DM from, like, a kid that works for Third Man. Mm-hmm. And he was like, we love you. We've been talking about you for the last year. I love your shit. All the heads love your shit. Mm-hmm. 
do you have anything happening? And at that point, I haven't even said my album was going to release. Like, it was all going to be, like, very... At midnight, I was going to go in and, like, promote it. Okay, so you get a... Go back to you get a DM from Third... And this time... Literally, the, lit, lit, yeah. This time, explain Third Man for people who don't know what Third Man is. Okay, so Third Man, basically... This is what I knew about Third Man. When you got the DM, right? Yes. So Third Man, to me, is Jack White's label. Mm-hmm. Jack White of the White Stripes. Mm-hmm. Jack White is one of those, I think, just like pretty well-known rock stars. The White Stripes were pretty huge. They had yeah. some huge records. Um, but also highly respected for the so craft. So yeah. super highly respected right. to the point where he's really become the guy. So like if Jay-Z does a vinyl, he does it with Third Man. He does mm-hmm. it with Jack White. Beyonce, just on her last album, Lemonade, she has a song with Jack White. Mm-hmm. Like Beyonce doesn't collaborate. Like. Yeah, Beyonce's album on vinyl is made by Jack White's company. So uh-huh. it's like the 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 biggest people in the industry go to Jack White because he's the guy. He brought back. He's credited as bringing back vinyl, uh-huh. the craftsmanship, very musical, can play every instrument. Just but the other thing that he's known for is like he's a nutcase, and the White Stripes is built around like the concept of three, and like a lot of the videos are only three colors or only one color. Yeah. He's like very conceptual. Mm-hmm. He's a conceptual artist first. Right. He used to make furniture and put like little letters in the furniture mm-hmm. of shit like that. So like he's like this like amazing dude. That's what I know about him. Yeah. So even though it was a bit left field, and of course like I'm trying to be respected in the hip hop world and all that. That stuff took such a backseat to the fact that no, this is an artist, mm-hmm. and this label is respected for making like the physical works. So when they, so I was, I was completely just like head. I was in Berlin mm-hmm. at the time, and literally could not believe it. Yeah. We got on the phone that night. Um, I told them I had this record. I sent them the record. It was pretty much done. Yeah. It might not have been mastered at that point. No, 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 it, it was mastered. It was literally dropping the next day. Yeah. They were like, we fucking love it. Is there any way... This is like an hour before midnight, and on iTunes, it's going to go live. Automatically, now, they're going to yes, go live. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But here's the thing. Because I'm, I'm a nobody at this point, unless I say it's out, no one's going to know. Yeah. So I had some time mm-hmm. at that point. But literally, it came out for a few hours. Yeah. They weren't able to like... Shut like, it down like, fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> So it came out, but pretty much I, I, everything that my our initial talks that night and the next day, I sent them the album. The next day, from what I understand, they played it like all morning, and everyone in the label was like, "This record is sick. Mm-hmm. We got to do it." So I pulled it. It came down. I never said that it was out, and literally the next few weeks were like trying to get the contract right. I'm very proud of like, you know, this is up. At this point, this is the most updated me. You know, yeah. I, I constantly look at that. Like right now, this is the most updated us. Like, mm-hmm. so everything we've learned up to this point is embedded in this conversation right now. Mm-hmm. And that's the case for like every moment of your fucking life. It's the newest fucking moment. Yeah. You know? So I learned a lot up to that point, and I and I put all that into the contract talks, and I did some things that I'm really proud of. Like, I've been trying to think if I should like talk about this. Say it and then decide it's this, later. It's this one thing. It's um, because this is after the whole like the Me Too movement and everything happening with like, uh, like sexual harassment yeah. and all these huge Harvey people Weinstein coming down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking like, you know, I don't really know these guys. Like something could happen. So we actually wrote into the contract that if something comes out, I could just walk away. 
Mm. And my like lawyer, it voids the contract voids, if, if something... Void, yeah. yeah. And my lawyer was like, they're never going to go for this. And they went for it. And I was like very proud. So if something comes out or if it's like something like something that we don't know, one of the heads of the company, whatever, You're free. I could just walk away. Yeah. Amazing. But it was like something that, you know, it's just like little things that you, mm-hmm. and also I, I like own the masters, which was like a huge, like a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you so don't have proud. a, you don't have a manager this time. No. You did it yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah. My lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is also like a family friend. Like he's the man. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the timing of this particular recording is really, you know, amazing because we've now listened to your struggle from the very beginning nine years old spitting out your first rap to now getting signed by jack white's third man records right what's next now like now do you feel now that you have like the keys to the kingdom and like it's just unlimited access to whatever you want to freaking you know born out of your brain i still don't know and it's because I'll, i'll be completely honest we should be really honest because i want everybody to know if if you care about this thing but like I'm still being looked at crazy. And in school, I'm being looked at crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's still happening. Mm-hmm. And teachers, you know, we'll be in class or in these lectures and we'll be hearing about like the possibilities and all this different stuff. But the minute you bring that, they're like, that's that's too crazy. It's like, how can that be too crazy? Like I made a, a huge Matisse sculpture thing and my idea was to put it on the Rhine River in Switzerland. And it's it was like 17 feet high, extremely heavy. It took like a bunch of dudes to lift it, and we got a truck with a lift and all this. And I wanted to put it on the Rhine River and just leave it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you can't do that. Some kid was like, this is Switzerland. Are you crazy? It's going to be gone within the hour. It was up for 42 days <laughs> before it disappeared. Wow. 42 days. The kid said it would be up, it would be gone in two hours. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm still I'm still bringing people ideas. Like the Uber idea I just told you. Like, literally, I can go on my email right now. Like, I'm bringing them ideas. School, teachers, the label. People are still afraid. People are still, like, it doesn't change. So that really taught me something. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't know how, well, obviously I'm not Beyonce. It, maybe it does change if you become A-list. Maybe things do change. Mm-hmm. But I imagine on some level they stay the same where you're still looked at crazy, everyone's still afraid. Yeah. And it's like it taught me that like, you know, it doesn't just these things don't like you have to just you have a you have to have it in you, I think. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you just have to be headstrong about your art and how you want and, and it's just important that you keep that. Yeah. Right? Like no matter where you go, no or yeah. like who you deal with. Can you talk about this yeah so i'm looking at your album right now i've got the album the vinyl in my hands you have the limited edition vinyl okay limited edition vinyl yeah and on the corner of it on the outside there's a usb drive attached to it yeah what is this so okay so this is basically um there's an idea that i don't want to say exactly but basically the idea was like imagine if the music was a player itself. Like, I wanted a way for people, okay, I'm not gonna get super into it, but basically like this is like an idea that came from another idea. Okay. So this idea is, 
I wanted a USB on the vinyl because I was thinking to put the MP3s on there, to put um, the lyrics and production credits mm-hmm. uh, in like a PDF, uh, like maybe some videos and stuff like that as like an extra like thing. And then I was thinking, how can it be attached? And I'm, I'm into this zip tie and the zip ties having a cultural moment right now with yep. like Virgil and, like Virgil and all that. And so I came up with that idea. Now, then it turned into, I had this idea like the 25th hour basically, where I was like, the MP3s and videos and production credits is not enough. I have so many photos, like 30,000 photos mm-hmm. on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Everywhere I go, every exhibit I go, every museum, every city, yeah. I'm taking a million pictures. Mm-hmm. And I might post one. Right. Where are all these pictures going to go? And in the past, I've made videos where like, you know, the pictures go really fast. Yeah. There's like a video automatic that does that. So I've tried to get the pictures out in some ways. So the idea was, what if I gave these pictures away? All the pictures on your phone. So that's impossible. It's too much. But I gave a thousand photos. And again, it becomes about the choice. Yes. So I chose a thousand photos mm-hmm. and I did it the longest way possible. Like my girl and like other people are like, you know, you could do that faster. It's like, no, no, no. Like the only way to do it is go through 30,000 photos and the stuff that hits me in the gut, uh-huh. take out. Yeah. And that's what I did. Okay. So this, so on this USB comes with a thousand photos mm-hmm. that hit me in the gut mm-hmm. and that I feel like had an impression on me when I saw it. And the thing is like a lot of these photos, unless you did my exact, like you, like you travel a lot, you weren't at these exhibits. Mm-hmm. Some of the, most of them are closed now. Yeah. You'll, some of these things come from collections that will never be open again. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like even a kid that's broke that's in their bedroom, that they feel they have no way, you know, where are they going to get the inspiration from? You talk about the biggest inspiration is traveling, but that's like a blessed thing. Yeah. No one can travel pretty much. No, like 1%, half percent of the world can travel. Like Mm -hmm. no one can travel. Yeah. So it's like the next best thing is like, if you can travel somehow get the information back Mm -hmm. to the kid um, that was basically me, yeah. like that kid in the bedroom with like n- not enough money for a metro card, like let alone a museum fee or. And the thing is, I don't like when people are like, oh, it's only a few dollars, you know, or like the Guggenheim, it's free on Fridays. It's like, no, like if you're broke, I don't like for people that have been broke, they know what I'm talking about. Like you don't want to go nowhere. You feel like shit. Mm hmm. You, you don't want to go places. So, like, even if it's free Guggenheim Fridays, like, you're not going. Right. I think I think a lot of people underestimate that. It's like, crazy. Yeah. So, like, so I, I constantly have to, like, really, like, because I, I had to, like, I was embarrassed to go places. Mm-hmm. When you're broke, when you have $3 in your pocket, like, you don't want to be seen. You don't want, like, you want to disappear. So, it's like, you can be home. Yeah. But have this USB. And then the other thought is, like, this version is also going to be in record stores. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, like, if you want, you could bring your laptop, just hook it up to the thing, take everything off, walk out the store. like Right, because the whole album is on this as USB well. drive. Yeah. So how did you convince MP3s. the label So now? they're they're awesome. Yeah, okay. they're awesome. Because you're, you're, like telling, you you're telling the label, mm-hmm. I want to give potentially give the whole album away yeah. to anyone yeah. who comes in with a laptop. They're really dope in that regard. And let me just give you an example of how dope they are. So when you make a vinyl... You, um, this legal line has to appear, right? And the legal line is like, 
uh, like the duplication of this recording is not allowed. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. yeah. The I copy, had, the copyright yeah, laws. Yeah, I had them change it to <laughs> duplication of this recording makes you a fucking legend, dog. Your rights reserved, not our rights reserved. Your rights reserved. Wow. Manufactured by Thermos. So I, I, I told them that, and they were like, "Yeah, let's do it." And then let's not even say this, but when you get the record, you'll realize like there's like things in the groove. Like that's a logo that you'll you'll recognize. There's a swoosh. No, oh man, into the groove. <laughs> that's just for a few. It's it's for everyone. But that's just. For... <laughs> um. So it's and like it's like the yeah. Adidas logo. So there's like, but that, and that wasn't even like, that was the label, like being, being the label. Like they love to push things in the world, in the music business, as far as labels go, they are amazing. And they are going to like push things because they're run by Jack White, who's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, Madman. So there's also no track list or anything. Yeah. That was on purpose. I just wanted it like blacked out. (laughs) Amazing. Um, yeah. Okay. So I wanted to ask you, I don't think you actually answered the question. Now that you have this backing, mm-hmm. like what is next for you now? So I want to prom- I want to promote this this uh, record. Mm-hmm. We have a video that's coming out tomorrow that people are gonna see called 180 Grams, which is me going to Detroit, which is where their plant is. Yeah. And basically doing like quality control. Like I made sure that everything was dope. That was like very important to me. I was like I gotta go to the plant. Uh huh. And I have to see this stuff. So we have that video coming out. It's basically like a like a short documentary. But also like a record off the album, like I'm rapping. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a music video type thing. That's coming out in the next couple of days. Um, there's another video that's coming out. I went to Africa last year and we filmed a video for Woman Is God in Sierra Leone, Africa, mm-hmm. and it was it was just like. But that was even pre you getting signed. That was yeah, way pre signed. So yeah. you paid for that yourself. See, here's the thing. Once I'm <laughs> yeah, so once I'm in Europe in school I really became a beast <laughs> because like at that point flights bec- like, like you can get flights around the world for like 20 30 dollars in Europe mm-hmm. um I did fly from Switzerland to Africa I, fl- I flew from like the richest country to the poorest country mm-hmm. um I spent 10 days in Africa with this amazing family that are like some like our like the family friends uh Jennifer what's up um but yeah, we filmed a video yeah. there for a record off the album. That's going to come out mm-hmm. still. So I'm, I'm going to promote this record a lot yeah. and just make sure that a lot of people hear this record. And how much more school do you have? Six months. Okay. And I also, it's a two-album deal Okay. with Third Minute. So, so I have, have another one. album. And what's interesting about that album is that that's going to be the album that I made as a signed artist. Right. So who knows? I might get a Jack White beat. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. that album will have some more things going on. Yeah. And are you coming back to America? Um, I'm, I'm really thinking about it now because there's a lot of opportunity here. But like, I'll give you an example. Like, me being in Europe right now, just, I just got some news a couple of days ago that's like so dope. And it, it's because I'm in Europe right now. Mm-hmm. Basically, I'm going to go out with Jack and he wants me to open up for him. Which is like, fucking ridiculous <laughs> but we're starting in Europe and yeah. it's because I'm in Europe right now right. so it's like so yeah so I really feel like the plan was to maybe go to Berlin mm-hmm. right after school because I do have an apartment now and I'm like have all these like big artworks and it's like how am I gonna like bring those back to America so my idea was to get like a space in Berlin 
that I just pay to rent. Mm-hmm. And it's very cheap. Like for people like listening, you can get a nice apartment for like $700 a month. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, you can't really do that. Just like a normal person can't just do that because you can't just live in Europe. But actually, I just realized through my dad, I can get like the citizenship for Europe as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like you there's some say, things yeah. that, yeah, there's some things that are just like, I don't know. All right. So if now um, you had the ability to talk to like a younger version of yourself, what advice would you give that person? Keep going. Keep going. Like I say it all the time. Like you, like if you're making stuff and you're reading and you're like, you like are trying to be a, a good person, just keep, just keep, just stay alive. Mm-hmm. Everything will work itself out if you just keep, you stay alive. Cause like if you die, your work, there's not gonna be any new work from here. So it's like <laughs> everything, you know, like so stay alive. Mm-hmm. And like keep working and keep making stuff. That's what I would say. I mean, if I could go back and tell the younger version of me, like, yeah, like chill out, like don't. But I don't even want to say don't worry to the, because like you don't want to fuck things up. Because if I told my younger self not to worry, who would that kid be? Maybe in jail. Yeah. Maybe fucking dead in the street. So like, the worrying I did as a younger guy like was good. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say is like read, like. Like, you should, like, find the people. I have a project that's coming out probably at the end of summer, which is, like, really a visual project, but it's, like, this really big idea where it basically is, like, the hundred people um, that, like, made me who I am. And I'm talking about, like, artists, rappers, writers, whatever. Um, You should find your hundred, and you should, like, read everything about them. And, like, just... You can copy them to a T. It won't be the same. You, if you copy them to a T, it'll never be the same. It'll be yours. So if you just copy them to a T, it'll be this amazing thing. I've copied people to a T sometimes. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I, I don't mean like project-wise, because then you'll just be a biter. I mean like like if someone's doing a project, like you can't just do the same thing. Or, But even that's an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, to be honest. Yeah. But like imagine a kid... You came out with a new collection, and he made the exact same thing, mm-hmm. and he offered it. Like you'd at least like shout him out on Instagram if you found it. Like, there's really no fucking rules, mm-hmm. and I just mean like to find the people that really inspire you and just like study them. Side note: I would actually sue you if you did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you specifically would would sue people. That's true. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Well, thank you, man. That Is was that awesome. It? Yeah. The Unless business have, of hype. Do you have anything else you want to add? The business of hype. Sure. Yeah. Jeff Staple. You're like a student of the it. game. It's amazing. I really am. I yeah. I love it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Man, I know that was a long one, but I hope you enjoyed this in-depth episode with Shirt. And this is our 13th episode of The Business of Hype. And guess what? It was the first one that was taped in my hometown of New York City. It just goes to show how worldwide this podcast is, and I hope you're enjoying the global perspective on the subject matter. As always, thank you so much for listening. You can find out more about the show and listen to past episodes at hypebeast.com radio. And subscribe to us wherever you listen. I personally use Overcast. Reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Staple. You could check us out on the web 
at businessofhype.com. And you could email me any questions or comments you might have. Email to questions at businessofhype.com. The Business of Hype is directed by Daniel Novetta, edited and produced by Bright Young Things. You could check them out at byt.nyc. Mixing was done by Alex Christensen, and this was recorded at Sibling Rivalry Studio in New York and on location in Midtown Manhattan. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hypebeast Radio.